Here now a reading from Psalm 103, beginning in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. And from Isaiah chapter 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Let's pray together. Loving God, today we are celebrating mothers, mothers of all kinds, mothers who have given birth, mothers who have adopted, spiritual mothers who have called and nurtured children who are not even their own. Today, some of us grieve, some of us having lost children, some of us longing for children. Some of us hoping that one day our children will come home. Some of us grieve today because we have lost our mothers. Or we have longed for a mother. Or we are needing reconciliation with our mother. Today we bring all the scattered bits and pieces to you. The God of compassion. Help us again, God, to sort through all the pieces of our lives, arranging them into the dream you have for each of us, for all of us. We humbly give our tithes and offerings as a small reflection of the reality that all we have and all we are belongs to you and can be used for the building of your kingdom. Give us ears to hear a word from you. Through your spirit, set our hearts ablaze, so that we can shine your love in a world that is so hungry and thirsty for healing. Amen. When I was in college, I was part of a drama ministry group. And each summer, we went on a mission trip. We did service projects and drama ministry in schools and churches. And we went to faraway places like New York City and London. But some years we stayed close to home. And this one summer we ended up in a really small town in Georgia. And we did some work with a local youth group. 
And one of our service projects was to work on a family farm. We helped the elderly owners of the farm clean around their house and do some work in the fields. Now, the farm belonged to the grandparents of one of my friends in our drama ministry group. And they were kind enough to host our group. They fed us, they gave us a place to sleep, and they put up with our shenanigans. And one afternoon, I came through the house, and I really didn't have anything to do. And I discovered that my friend and her grandfather were sitting in the living room. And I thought, well, hey, this is a great time for us to have some quality time together. So I waltzed into the room and plopped down on the couch. And once I got situated and looked up around me, I saw my friend and her grandfather looking at me really awkwardly. If you'd excuse us for a minute, we are having a private family conversation. I'm so sorry. I stammered, and I quickly got off the couch to make a swift exit. I glanced over at my friend, and she was so mortified. She looked like she wanted to disappear into thin air. Whether you have been asked to leave or find yourself wishing that you could leave, Family conversations can be complicated. They can be awkward. They can be frustrating. Like when you or another innocent bystander become a victim of the dreaded, unsolicited advice, or when you can't make a swift enough exit before you get pulled into a debate that you really don't care to participate in. And then there are the truly difficult family conversations. Conversations about uncertainty. Like when your sister came to you and confided that she is out of a job and doesn't know how she's going to take care of her family. Conversations about death like the night your parents called a family meeting in the living room and shared the news that Dad's last round of chemo hadn't worked. And it was time to talk about how Dad was going to die. Or conversations about despair. Like when your grandmother looks at you with eyes that have no more tears left to cry. And tells you the story about her son, an uncle you never knew, who lost his way and became estranged from his family. Today we have stepped into a family conversation. A conversation between God and God's people, Israel. Israel, God says, Remember the amazing work I am doing through you. I have called you to bring the people of the earth to me, to set prisoners free, to show people the kind of work that I do in the world, restoring, 
healing, resurrecting. In Isaiah 49, God promises Israel that the obstacles they face along the way will be smoothed into roads they can travel. There will be water for drinking and food for eating because God is guiding them. The prophet calls on the heavens and the earth to rejoice because God is bringing Israel out of exile. But Israel, portrayed here as a grieving mother, interrupts the cosmic call to praise. Verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. The nation of Israel surely had its share of grieving mothers. In 587 B.C., Jerusalem was captured and its temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. The entire social and religious structure of Israel was systematically dismantled. The Israelites were sent into exile. Many families were deported, displaced, sent far away from their home in an effort to destroy any hope of restoration. In this passage, in Isaiah 49, we are near the end of the Babylonian exile. The Persian Empire is closing in on Babylon. The end of exile is inevitable. A new day is dawning. The prophet calls for rejoicing because soon Israel will be restored. But with eyes that have no more tears left to cry, Mother Israel says, God, you have forsaken us. Surely you have forgotten us. She is haunted by images and experiences that feel full of God's forgetfulness. In the very hands that God is calling her to use, all she can feel are shards of broken dreams slipping through her fingers. All she can hear is the sound of her prayers echoing with no answer. Everywhere she turns, all she can see is the destruction of everything she most loved. It feels as if all of her striving, all of her loving, all of her tears, all of her prayers have been in vain. Surely, God has forgotten. Mother Israel is not alone. She joins her voice with the voices of mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters throughout time and space. It is one of the deepest, most painful experiences throughout the history of God's children, finding ourselves in the middle of what feels like God's forgetfulness.
striving for good, only to be met with wave upon wave of evil. Working for reconciliation, only to experience division. Longing to trust, but feeling plagued by doubt and disappointment. Praying, begging for healing, only to be met with death. Clinging to hope, only to be wrestled to the mat by despair. Mother Israel is not alone. She's not the only one wondering if God has forgotten. Now, if you've ever been in a family conversation like this one, you know that what happens next is very important. Israel has stated the way she feels, which contrasts pretty starkly with the prophet's tone. Will she be dismissed from the praise party? Will she be reprimanded for her assertiveness? Will her voice of lament be forgotten, shoved to the side? What happens next is very important. God does not get angry and storm out of the living room. God does not get in Mother Israel's face to recite a litany of her failings. The psalm tells us that God does not deal with us that way. No. God, eyes glowing with all of the compassion in the universe, leans forward and longingly replies, Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Any nursing woman will tell you that it is impossible to forget the baby whose life she is sustaining. Impossible to forget any children whose lives began deep in her belly. God knows the answer to the question. Of course she can't forget. And God also knows that any parent, any adult, who is committed to loving a child into adulthood will tell you that we are susceptible to forgetfulness of many kinds. We are not always merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We do not always practice God's way of love with our children. But God is not susceptible to forgetfulness. God cannot forget. Whether we are partnering with God to raise children in faith or partnering with God to bring God's kingdom into being or both, 
the risk of heartbreak is always there. The scars, the stretch marks, the pain, they stay with us forever. And it's the same for God. You see, God said, extending a hand, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Our lives are interwoven with God's. We are intimately, inseparably a part of God's body. The gospel comes to us today in this powerful gesture. The extended hand, the same hand that God is using to birth the new creation, is tattooed with the story of God's children. Every single child. God will not forget. God cannot forget. Thanks be to God.